excited that we are able to carry the gospel even beyond the four walls of this church this morning as we have so many of our members traveling. Um, it is such a blessing to know that they will still be able to hear and receive God's word along with our family who has become our e-family. Amen? And um, we love you all and we're so grateful that you are back with us this morning. And what an honor it is to gather together once again as we continue on discussing the resurrection life offered to us in Christ. So if you thought just because we had the celebratory Easter service that we were done, then to this morning as we continue on in this series, which was entitled Resurrection Hope, you will begin to see that the resurrection has so much benefit for us that we can't contain that to one 30-minute sermon. Amen? Amen. And so last week we began this sermon series and we began to understand that life's greatest challenges are best faced when we have the hope of Jesus and the presence of Jesus living within us. So I don't know about you, but it's one thing when you go through challenges in life and you don't know the Lord. But when you have Jesus and you understand the power of the resurrection, it makes the challenges that you face, the things that you go through, you are able to tap into a power that you can't even begin to explain. Sometimes we go through challenges and you know, I can think of even in my own personal life where maybe people around me weren't even cognizant of the deep challenges that we were facing because we didn't go through it with a sense of defeat. We went through those challenges with a sense of empowerment, knowing this is only going to last for a little while knowing that our help was coming from the Lord, knowing that this was not going to be this way always. I don't know what you're facing on this morning. I don't know what personal trials or tribulations or struggles you may be going through. But I want you to know that there is hope in the power of Jesus and his resurrection. So we saw last week that Mary's journey to the tomb on that first Easter Sunday, she was met with a little bit of a surprise, right? She went there with the anointing oil, expecting to anoint the body of our Lord and our Savior, and he wasn't there. She did not find his lifeless body, but instead, she saw him face to face alive. Now, his resurrection filled her with hope once again, and it changed everything. Now, following Mary's resurrection encounter with Christ, there were others who saw him as well. And today, as we discover that the love of Jesus can restore our hope, we see that that can happen even after great disappointment. So I'm going to share with you even one of my personal stories of 
a time where a relationship suffered because of an action that was careless. You know, when we have things that we do in our life, many of us will realize that because we're not perfect, we will make mistakes. Anybody in here ever made a mistake? Pastor, I can't control my slides until you move the Spotify out of the middle of the screen. When we make mistakes, sometimes these are actions that have impact on the relationships around us. And, and even though they know that, do you need some help, Pastor? Hold on one second. What are we trying to get, what are we trying to do? You just hit the minimize button in the corner and then that should go away. All right. What we got? Hold on. Let me help right here. Let me, let me we were almost there. All right. So we're going to turn that. We're going to minimize the screen there. Hold on. I'm, I'm going to control it. Let me do it. Let me minimize it. One of the things that uh, my dear friend Alex did before he left is he equipped me to be able to help with the slides from all the way up here. Can we give Alex a big round of applause in his absence? <laughs> all right, so what I should be able to do now is click on the slides for the PowerPoint. Wait, I got it, I got it. Just turn the volume off for me for, while I fix it. Because what's happening now is you're in two different places. And you know what, I, I feel so bad for Pastor because he practiced yesterday for about three hours and then the day before that for another two hours. But I'm telling y'all, if it looks easy, then I want y'all to go back there and volunteer to do it. Because it's not, it's not. Curtis, go back there, Curtis wants to help, he wants to learn. So, uh, all right, so we're gonna tap that and then see if that'll make it go. There we go. I don't know, are you working it at the same time? Because it keeps disappearing every time I hit it. All right, tap the PowerPoint presentation. Open up the presenter view. And go to the next slide. Okay, keeps disappearing on my end. So is something happening back there? There we go, you got it? Do you know what happened? All right, come on, let's give him a big round of applause. I'm telling you, this used to be Anna's job back there and it's nothing more stressful than knowing that there are all these people here and they think that you're crazy and it's not them. Sometimes it's the computer Bonnie will tell you last week the coffee maker exploded on her. Sometimes the these, these gadgets are not our friends. They're just not. But as I'm sharing with you this morning how when we make mistakes, even though we recognize that we're human and even though we recognize that we are going to make mistakes, the reality is that that sometimes has a harmful effect on our relationships. It sometimes has... Um, a lingering consequence with those that we love. And um, as I'm celebrating my daughter's 19th birthday this morning, happy birthday, Anna, if you're watching us. I can't believe I have a 19-year-old. But I remember one of the, the challenges of um, parenting an adult, for those of you that still have smaller children, 
It's figuring out how do you parent an adult? How do you give them that enough space and enough respect as they are maturing, but yet making sure that you maintain that respect as they're still your child? And one day when um, we were, had a bunch of clothes in the laundry room, her clothes were laying in a, a chair on the side. And I sent this group text out to our family. And I went off in this group text. You know, I try to keep my laundry room clean. And Anna, all of your stuff is laying around in the, in the laundry room. And I need you to get in there right now. And you need to get it up. And she was mortified. She was mortified because it was a group text. So it was her and her siblings and her dad. But guess what the worst part of it was? It was someone else who wanted to get to that washer that took all her stuff and dumped it in the laundry room. Egg all on face. And now I have this adult child who is trying to begin to assert her independence and she has been falsely accused and humiliated, and she is not a happy camper with me. And I had to humble myself. I had to say, mama and all, I was wrong. I apologize. I jumped to conclusions. I should have asked before I sent the message who took that out of the laundry? Could you please go get it out of the floor? But it's just one of many mistakes in mom history. <laughs> I won't pretend that's the only one, but I only wanted to give one example so we'd have time for the rest of the message. But I think you can relate. I think in your life you can relate on a time where you cause damage to a relationship with a mistake. Maybe even more severe than that. Well, I want you to see as we're going through the word this morning that even when we feel we have caused irreparable damage in a relationship that through the power of the resurrection there is still hope somebody say there is hope, there is hope. turn your Bibles if you would to John chapter 18 we're going to look at verse 15 through 17 in just a moment because I want you to see that the story of Jesus' resurrection speaks to these challenges as well. And maybe you've read this a million times every Easter, and maybe you've never seen it this way. And that's why I love the way we dissect the Word of God, because we want to be able to see it and apply it to our everyday life. We want to be able to see how does this Word speak to me today? How does it relate to things I'm dealing with and my own personal challenges? And I think that as we go through the Word this morning, you will get a chance to see that. Now, we understand from last week that Jesus was being arrested and crucified. Almost all of his closest friends deserted him. Now, I don't know about you, but that would have been hurtful enough to be going through a dark time, a difficult time, and all the people who used to have your back, who used to be in your corner, who used to be your wingmen, desert you, abandon you. And so now it's not just that you have to go through this, but you have to go through it alone. 
This is what our Lord and Savior was going through for us. And in fearing for their own lives, they turned their back on him. Look at me, look with me at John 18. If you're using the house Bible, it's the blue Bible. If you need one, raise your hand and one will be given to you. I'm on page 519. 519. It's also going to be on the screen behind me if you're able to see it. If you need a Bible, there one will be given to you. And Simon Peter followed Jesus. And so did another disciple. That disciple was known unto the high priest and went in with Jesus into the palace of the high priest. Peter stood at the door without. Then went out that other disciple, which was known unto the high priest, and spake unto her that kept the door and brought in Peter. Then saith the damsel that kept the door unto Peter, Art not thou also one of this man's disciple? He saith, I am not. Now skip over with me to verse 25 through 27. I want to read you those as well. It's also on the screen if you have need of it. It's also in our house Bible. I think this one's at page 520. And it reads, And Simon Peter stood and warmed himself. They said therefore unto him, Art not thou also one of his disciples? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, being his kinsman, whose ear Peter cut off, saith, Did not I see thee in the garden with him? Peter then denied again, and immediately the cock crew. We are told of one disciple here named Peter. I'm guessing this isn't your first time hearing about Peter either because Peter had a great reputation as being the fiery one, right, that had his back. He was always with Jesus, but he betrays Jesus by denying that he even knows who he is. Now, that's, it's one thing to say, no, that wasn't me. I wasn't with him. It would have been another thing to say, yeah, I know that Jesus God, but yeah, no, I'm not one of the disciples. He denies even knowing who he is. After three years of ministry alongside Jesus, Peter carelessly refuses to remain loyal and denies any connection to Christ whatsoever. Talk about a tear in a relationship. Three different times, Peter is questioned about his connection. And each time, he distances himself. So I want to share with you my first point this morning. If you're watching us on live stream, go ahead and put this in the comments. Our lives can be confirmation 
or denial of our connection to Jesus. Our lives can be confirmation or denial of our connection to Jesus. And this morning, in this room, there are more likely than not many of us who can think back on the past weeks, months, or years and point to thoughts or words or actions that actually hurt the heart of God. I know I can. I can think back to things I've done that would have hurt God's heart. Like Peter, many of us, time and time again, live as if we don't know who Jesus is. We break trust. We speak harshly. We hold hate in our hearts. Unfortunately, and many of you may agree, some of the most unloving and difficult people that I've ever come past across with also call themselves Christians. There's a author and speaker by the name of Brennan Manning, and I want, to hear, I want you to hear what he said. Because when I read this, I thought, wow, I hope this isn't true. But I believe it could be. He said, the greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips, walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. I see you nodding your head, Brittany. It's unbelievable to them. Look with me at John chapter 21, verses 1 through 3, because we must ask ourselves, what do our lives say about our connection to Jesus? Maybe today you're thinking about that question I asked, and you're thinking, I probably have left a little bit of a trail of destruction myself. You might have a history of broken relationships that have left you without hope that it could ever change. The good news is that Peter's story does not end with his denial. Do you catch that? His story doesn't stop right here. His story doesn't end with the denial. His story continues. That's something that I think we can all be encouraged with this morning. No matter what's going on, no matter how you may feel at this moment, that you may or may not have lived up to the best potential that you have in God, your story is not over. Somebody say, this story is not over. The good news is that our story does not have to end there. John chapter 21, verse 1 through 3 says, After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and on this wise showed he himself. 
There were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathanael of Cana in Galilee and the sons of Zebedee and two other of his disciples. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. They say unto him, we also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately. And that night they caught nothing. Now I want you to see something here. Because as you know, the Bible is not written in chronological order. And so sometimes if you don't have the context, you can miss what preceded something or what was happening at that time. And as I began to study this for this series, something profound hit me that I don't think I had noticed before. So I hope that this will be intriguing to some of you who are also Bible scholars. Following Peter's denial of Christ and Jesus's ultimate death, the Bible says that Peter and the others go back to fishing. Now these verses give us one of the, the, the first post-resurrection appearances of Jesus to his followers, but I want you to see something here. Many of the men whom Jesus had invited to follow him during his ministry, they had a background as fishermen. They had left their nets because they believed that Jesus was going to make them fishers of men. That he would lead them into restoring the world the way God first intended. But after their leader had been killed, do you see what they did? They went back to what they were doing before. They went back to what was comfortable. They decided to go back to what they had always done, fishing. Not only would that fishing trip, though, have been very somber, as they had just lost one of their dearest friends, just deserted him in that process. But verse 3 tells us that there was another reason they would have not been happy. Their nets were empty as well. Now, wouldn't that be something? You gave up everything to follow Christ. Now he's gone. So you go back to the one thing you know, back to the one thing you're good at, back to the one thing you're comfortable, and now that don't even work no more. Their nets came empty. Look at verse 4 through 9, though. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have ye any meat? They answered him, No. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. 
They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, it is the Lord. Now, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girt his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked, and did cast himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far from the land, but as it were, 200 cubits, dragging the net with fishes. As soon as they were come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid thereon and bread. Do you see what just happened here? To the disciples' surprise, Jesus shows up on the shore of the lake. Now, just like Mary, do you remember how last week when Mary first saw Jesus, how she didn't recognize him? Initially, they didn't recognize who he was. The beautiful thing, though, I want you to catch about this story is that Jesus is the one who initiated the restored relationships. Do you see that? Jesus initiates restored relationships. He comes to the shoreline. He calls out to the boat. <laughs> Jesus doesn't come back and be like, oh, yeah, I ain't speaking to that Peter. Remember how he acted right before I left? He don't do the whole, I'm in the same room with you, but I'm going to act like I don't see you and I don't know you. He does the call out. He initiates the restoration of a broken relationship. Oh, don't we have so much we can learn from Jesus? Mm. Jesus he forgives him and I'm afraid that too many of us watching this morning from home too many of us in this room have come to the conclusion that you've made too many mistakes somehow so you maybe can't be forgiven What do we see here? If there's nothing else that we see, we see that Jesus' grace restores our hope. So the second point would be Jesus' grace restores our hope. You know, when Peter leapt into the water to swim to the shore, that was a pretty dramatic response because in a way you could have just rowed to shore right that's how they got there they were rowing but he jumps in the water and he swims back to Jesus and I feel like that drama has so much significance because it's his way of showing that I am so grateful to be restored. I cannot wait to be near to you again. I cannot sit here and wait for this boat to slowly but surely inch its way back to shore. I want to be back in connection with you. 
Peter is filled with hope that this relationship with Jesus can be restored. And I hope that as we are receiving this word this morning, that we see the same in our life and in our relationship with the Lord as well. This morning, I want to invite you to see that the Savior has come to the shoreline of your life and is offering you grace. He is offering you grace. The miracle of Easter is that because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, all of our broken relationships can be restored. So take this and then begin to think about broken relationships in your life, relationships that you've kind of filed under unsalvageable and just said, you know what, I'm not even going to worry about that because there's nothing else we can do with that. Walk away this morning with the hope that all relationships under the blood of Jesus can be restored. I bet you I have some witnesses this morning. Amen. Amen. I found um, an analogy that I, I have to share with you. Um, it was from the late preacher Charles Spurgeon. And he was talking about an evening when he was riding home after a day of work. And he said he was feeling depressed and uh, suddenly a lightning flash of 2 Corinthians 12, 9 came to his mind. I don't know about you, but a lot of times when I am having some type of moment, the scripture will come to my mind to kind of minister to me. And so he describes this encounter where 2 Corinthians 12, 9, my grace is sufficient for thee, came to his mind. Now here's the part that really blew me away because I never had looked at this scripture this way. And look at how he described it. He said, I should think it is, Lord, and burst out laughing. He said that it seemed to make unbelief so absurd. It was as though some little fish, being very thirsty, was troubled about drinking the river dry. And the river said, drink away, little fish. My stream is sufficient for thee. Or a man way up on a mountain saying to himself, I fear I shall exhaust all the oxygen in the atmosphere. But the earth might say, breathe away, O oh man. Feel thy lungs ever. My atmosphere is sufficient for thee. Now think about it in that terms that we go through problems and we, we think that we're bothering God and we don't want to trouble him with this situation we're dealing with at work and we think it's too minute to bother him about the situation we're dealing with with our neighbor but God is saying my grace is sufficient there's more than enough there's no matter what you're going through you can come to me my grace is sufficient I've got enough I'm not gonna run out I can keep giving it to you over and over again come to me are you receiving that grace this morning? That's the miracle of Easter. And that's why we couldn't stop with just one day. That's why this is a sermon series, because our relationships can be restored. The last scripture we have for you, 
turn with me to John chapter 21. We're going to look at verses 15 through 19 as we close. As Peter is arriving at the shore, there's a burning fire. And Jesus is cooking some fish over the coals. I can imagine him lovingly smiling. You know how when you're cooking for people and you're getting ready, you know, in our day he would have been out barbecuing or putting some fish on the grill in the backyard like, hey, come on over. A warm welcome. He's cooking, burning, fire, fish over coals. And he welcomes the man who recently denied him to the table. He says, so when they had dined, Jesus saith unto Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, feed my lambs. He saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, feed my sheep. Now watch this, verse 18. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, when thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee, and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. This spake he, signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he saith unto them, him, follow me. Now, I'm going to try to break this down. I know Bridgerton has made us fond of all of these big words, but I know the rest of us need a little bit of a translation. <laughs> Amen? Well, Jesus began a conversation that maybe could have started a little uncomfortably. He asked Peter, do you love me? And certainly this is being asked because not long before, Peter had given every indication that that might be questionable. But in the Greek, we get an even deeper look into this conversation between Peter and Jesus, because there are four words used for love in Greek. And each word is nuanced in a different way. And so when Jesus asks Peter if he loves him, he's using agape. He says, do you agape me? Now the word agape, as you know, is the kind of love that is selfless that is sacrificial. Now, here's what you may not have known. Jesus asked Peter if he loves him like that. 
Peter responds by saying, yes, of course I love you, but in the Greek, it's not the word agape. It's the word filio. Now, the word filio is a brotherly love. It's affection for another, but it's not the same as agape. So Jesus asked this question three times, and Peter responds all three times. And with each question, Jesus is resurrecting the hope that their relationship can be restored. Each one of the three questions is a reversal of each one of the three denials from the chapters before. Perfect denial is met by Jesus' perfect restoration. It's one of the most beautiful exchanges you will find in the scripture. For each time that Peter said he did not know him, now Peter is being restored each time he says, I love you. That's so encouraging to me because no matter how many times you've fallen, no matter how many times you feel that you have not measured up, you are able to stand up and that many times say, Jesus, I love you, help to restore our relationship and place me back where I was. So the final point is, love for Jesus is proven by a life for Jesus. Because Jesus says here to him, if you love me, what? Feed my sheep. He doesn't say, if you love me, get this really cute t-shirt that says, what would Jesus do? He doesn't say, if you love me, make sure when you decorate your house, you have really nice wall art with all the scriptures on it. He doesn't even say, if you love me, make sure you have a really good church home and you have like a bumper sticker on your car that lets everybody know you go to church every Sunday. He says, if you love me, act like it. I shouldn't even have to ask you. I should be able to know you love me by what I see you doing. That's our challenge this morning. As we leave and go off to work, go back to our homes. People ought to know that we're Christians by how we love other people. And that means that when we do this altar call, we might not be able to sit here all buttoned up like we got it all together. We may need to just spend a little bit of time with the Lord and ask him to forgive us. I know I did. I know I had to revisit some things I said, you know, a week before or a month before or even maybe hours before. If we love him, then we join him in action. We join him at work. We feed his sheep. And so Peter responds to that invitation. Peter is able to walk away, and that's why I said that's not how the story ends, because if you know anything about Peter and you know anything about the Bible, you know he walked away from that conversation on fire serving God in every way imaginable. And that's how we can. This is, the, this is the middle of the story. This is not the end of this story. This morning, Jesus is saying, do you love me? And if the answer is yes, we must live like it. And how we love others 
and how we serve the world? And if the answer is no, then through confession of sin and honest repentance, we can allow the grace of God to wash over us and our hearts can be filled with affection for him. This morning, I'm going to ask you, as I'm praying, I'm also going to extend to you an invitation, Pastor, if you would help me at this time with the transitioning of the slide. I'm going to ask you, if you feel the Lord leading you, to just spend a little bit more extra time with him in prayer. Because that's what this should really be about. We hear the word, we receive the word, and we do the word. And maybe we just need to confess in our heart that there's some areas that mm, don't really match up with what my confession is this morning. There's some ways that we just want to release and ask God to just forgive us so that he can bless us, so that there'll be no hindrance, so that there will be nothing holding us back, so that we don't have to carry the, the guilt, carry the weight, worry about it anymore, and know that it is under the blood. It is under the blood of Jesus and that he forgives us. If you have that need this morning, I'm going to ask evangelists to come and to stand at the prayer door. Pastor, are you having trouble? Because I'm asking for you to play the altar call music that we talked about. We're going to take a moment in time because I don't want anyone to leave here and to feel that there was something heavy on their heart that they did not get to release. So if you are feeling that tug right now, and if you're not, that's fine. And if you are, that's fine. But we want to create a space and a place for you to pray. If you feel that right now, I'm going to invite you to join Evangelist, and then she's going to take you into our prayer room. And you can pray together. And I just, it's something about going into that prayer room. You go in with a heavy burden and you walk out skipping and feeling light, knowing that you left it at the foot of Jesus. So if that's what you're feeling right now, you can come, you can join her, and she will join you in the prayer room. For the rest of us, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to close us out in prayer. Jesus, I confess today that I have not loved you with my whole heart. I have failed to live a faithful life before you and have failed to serve those around me. Forgive me, I pray, and empower me to live in such a way that demonstrates your grace in and through me. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.